What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Seifter. I'm joined, as always, on this Monday evening by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. Bart, we got the Monday night game going. We just had a uh, a big trade that just uh, came across the newswire about an hour ago. James Robinson yeah. is being dealt to the Jets. And uh, I guess uh, we had another little trade go down as well uh, this week. Little trade <laughs> involving a certain Christian McCaffrey. So uh, it's been a big week for uh, fantasy-relevant trades. Absolutely. And that, you know, that James Robinson trade, unfortunately, has to do with a big injury with Brees Hall tearing his ACL. You know, we've been talking about him for weeks, obviously, even leading up to this breakout he was having. So very unfortunate there. Um, People who have Michael Carter, you know, I have him in our Dynasty League. And today I was kind of like, okay, feeling good about this. You know, silver lining here is someone who doesn't have Brees Hall, but has Michael Carter. And then you have James Robinson now coming into the mix. So you know, there, there's still going to be some work there. I think he'll be heavily involved in the passing game, Carter, that is. And then James Robinson will probably get a lot of the early down work. I think it's good for Robinson, you know, and it's obviously great for Travis Etienne. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a net plus for Robinson. Um, you know, he uh, will get we're going to do a game by game recap as we always do. So we'll talk about that game. Uh, but, uh, you know, Robinson, it does seem like he wasn't 100 percent healthy, or at least that's what Doug Peterson seemed to be suggesting uh, to explain the disparity because ETN was up over 80% of the snaps uh, in that game this week. And uh, Mm -hmm. Robinson was at 17%. So that's, even if ETN was taking over the backfield, that kind of split was not something I saw coming. Uh, But it sounds like uh, maybe, maybe health issues were part of the reason for that. Although then again, the Jets clearly don't seem too concerned about James Robinson's health if they're trading draft picks to get him. So I think it's going to be a pretty even committee with the Jets, um, sort of like it was uh, with Hall and Carter at the very beginning of the season. Uh, but I agree. I think you know Robinson's skill set probably translates more towards between the tackles, uh, goal line kind of work, even though he is a very capable pass catcher as well. Uh, but it seems like Carter may be the one who sticks in that role a little more. Um, I would probably prefer Carter of the two just slightly going forward, but uh, it does – um, it does make it so, you know, they're both kind of low-end RB2, high-end RB3 types uh, at, at best, I would say. And, you know, these types of trades, they don't always happen Im- immediately. I'm sure there have been com- some conversations happening behind the scenes. Not that I have any inside information here, but, you know, James Robinson not playing much could have had to do with an Im- a pending trade. I mean, you never know. Like, maybe they had him on their short list, and then an injury happens, and then I don't know. Like, you just never know. Like, something could have been happening. Maybe they were looking to, to trade Robinson anyway, and maybe they were just like, let's make sure we keep him healthy, like we're seeing with Cam Akers, who is just not even playing, right? They're looking to try and trade him, so they're not even going to risk him getting injured. Then his trade value is zero. Yeah, although it seems like with Cam Akers, there was a um, behind-the-scenes uh, disagreement about his role. True. Whereas James <laughs> Robinson, I have to give the, the, the man credit. He has uh, always been... A, a very team friendly guy. Like he hasn't complained. Um, he had to go through the whole urban Meyer uh, situation yeah. there last season. And they drafted ETN, even though uh, Robinson had had a great season the year before he never complained. He showed up to work uh, and now he'll do that for the jets. Um, but ETN, I mean, you know, he was already moving towards RB one territory anyway. So mm-hmm. I think this just clears the runway for him even more to take off, but um, we'll have to see 
what happens behind him. Maybe maybe there'll be a Snoop Connor sighting <laughs> here and there, but uh, it's really it really should be uh, the ETN show going forward in Jacksonville. And then yeah, and I saw your yeah. I saw your Week Seven Takeaways article on Fantasy Pros too. Read through that. Good piece. Uh, good job there. Um, and you know you talked about Christian McCaffrey kind of at the top, and we didn't get to, a chance to talk about him because we were doing like I guess it was Wednesday night we were recording, mm-hmm. and I think the trade happened on Thursday, so. We were previewing that game, talking about Jeff Wilson, and then here I am with Jeff Wilson in like three leagues, and I actually dropped him in a couple leagues, um, one of which is a keeper league, because I'm just like, you know, McCaffrey coming over. Uh, I wasn't going to start him this start Wilson this week. Uh, you were fine if you started McCaffrey. You got you some points, but big, big picture, this is really good for McCaffrey going to a, a good offense, and we'll get to the Panthers-Bucks game, but it's just hilarious that they trade away their best player, and then <laughs> the Panthers just... <laughs> destroy the bucks yeah unreal yeah well that might say more about the bucks than it does about the panthers we'll get to that but yeah i mean for mccaffrey you know i know there was some people that were a little concerned that uh his touches could go down but i would argue that's okay because the touches he gets are going to be even more efficient even Mm -hmm. he's going to have so much more touchdown potential that's the thing i mean the the panthers were last in the league in in offensive plays run per game Uh, not a team that's going to score a lot of points even with christian mccaffrey in the fold so uh, going to san francisco um, he's just going to have a lot more opportunities Uh, and you noticed when they he played limited snaps in the first game but the first thing that shanahan drew up for him were red zone uh, place so mm-hmm. he's gonna get uh, he's gonna get plenty of opportunities to touch the ball in the red zone uh, and all over the field and uh, yeah I think it's a it's a net plus for sure for Christian McCaffrey even though he was already uh, producing you know top five kind of fantasy value he just wasn't having those explosion games like we've seen from him in previous years and I know I was pinning a lot of that blame on on Baker Mayfield but I'm not sure PJ Walker even though he played decently in that game against Tampa Bay was going to be the solution to that. So going to San Francisco, really, I think a good thing for McCaffrey. And um, yeah, I, I don't know if you have any other uh, thoughts about that deal. Yeah. Just that, just that on the, you know, might not be so great for Debo Samuel. I think if you're, if you have Debo Samuel, you could look to, to sell him potentially with McCaffrey coming over. You may have people who are still looking at him as a clear wide receiver one. And I don't think it's that clear that he will be rest of the season. I mean, he's a great player, but McCaffrey is going to get a lot of these kind of high upside touches, value touches near the goal line. I think Debo will still get manufactured touches, but they have these super versatile players now. And so when you get McCaffrey coming over, I think it it will hurt Debo's value a little bit. Yeah, I think it has to be a slight downgrade to all of the other uh, skill position players for San Francisco. So George Kittle as well and Brandon Ayuk. It's It's just one more dynamic playmaker in the mix. And honestly, probably the guy that's going to get the most touches of them all, McCaffrey. So... Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it has to be a little bit of a, a knock to those other guys. And I know you did say you dropped Jeff Wilson. I'm still holding him where I have him because uh, I want whoever the backup running back is in San Francisco on my roster at all times. And especially when the, the starter is a guy with a lengthy injury history like McCaffrey has. So I know it's quite possible that after they're by Elijah, Mo- Elijah Mitchell comes back and takes over that second spot. But I'm I'm unless I'm really in a tough uh, roster crunch, I want to see that before I would let go of Jeff Wilson because he did look good again uh, when given opportunities mm-hmm. this last week, and he's pretty much always looked good when given opportunities. So um, I, I'm not sure we've heard the last of Jeff Wilson. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fine. Like I dropped him in two of three of three leagues. I held him in one. He, he's sort of like Allen Robinson for me right now, just a little bit, a little bit different. I mean, different situation, but. 
I'll tell you what, man. Ooh, it is zappy hour right now, isn't it? So maybe we should get into this. We're not going to recap the game that's going on right now, but zappy just came into the game <laughs> and is looking good. Yes. <laughs> Better than Mac Jones. Yes, and I'm uh, sure the Patriots fans are very happy for that. They were they were calling <laughs> for him <laughs> the, yeah. all throughout the first quarter, essentially. Um, so, yeah, but let's, let's uh, get into our usual... Uh, yep. show here we have some other injuries we're gonna have to talk about but we'll, we'll talk about those in the game by game previews uh, we'll go through every game from a fantasy perspective uh, and then we will get break into the waiver wire for this week so a lot to cover um, we'll start as we always do with the Thursday night game uh, Cardinals 42 Saints 34 there were actually points scored in a Thursday night game miracle of <laughs> miracles um <laughs> And, you know, I, I would say the defenses look pretty bad, but, um, you know, Andy Dalton, did he make an, a case for the starting job? I don't know. On the one hand, he threw four touchdowns. On the other <laughs> hand, he threw three picks. Two, uh, two of them were pick sixes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's the back drives. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. What, where do you want to go with this one in terms of fantasy takeaways? I mean, the big fantasy takeaway, I think, is DeAndre Hopkins, right? He had 14 targets, yeah. way more than anyone else. You know, Rondale Moore only had two. Uh, Robbie Anderson, which no one really expected Robbie Anderson to be really incorporated much yet. And who knows if he ever really will be other than a deep ball here or there. But I think if you waited this long on DeAndre Hopkins, you're feeling really good right now because he had over 100 yards. He's just getting a lot of, lot of looks. Uh, he played in the slot a ton, which is bad news for Rondale Moore. Yeah. So, you know, it's good for Hopkins and maybe not for the rest of the guys there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would agree with that. I, I think uh, Rondell Moore really needs to be in the slot to have any chance of, of success. He's not a big guy. Um, I have seen some some stats that suggest his his num- his metrics are not great even uh, in the slot, but they're certainly not great out on the perimeter. So I think any hope right. that he has of hitting uh, needs to be getting slot snaps. And uh, not only did Hopkins get slot snaps ahead of him, but Greg Dortch, also got Dorch. slot snaps ahead of him <laughs> and got a touchdown catch as well. So uh, that's yep. yeah, not not great news for Rondell Moore. Um, and then in the on the running back side of things, uh, you know, Eno Benjamin had a really nice game. So maybe he uh, has you know shown enough that he can carve out a, a significant role once James Conner is back. I still do think James Conner will be the main back here once he's healthy. I saw him on the sideline in this game. He looked. Uh, he looked fine. I, I, I don't think it's going to be much longer for James Conner. So um, that will be a backfield we'll have to watch. Yeah, I really liked seeing Keontae Ingram get mixed in. Had a couple catches. You know, nice deep dynasty stash. But, you know, found the end zone on a short rush. So I was very happy about that. But that's that's kind of deeper stuff. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, I mean, Chris Olave continues to look like a stud. He had 14 targets as well, over 100 yards. Very similar stat line to DeAndre Hopkins. So just another guy that you're going to be starting every week. Both guys are high-end wide receiver two or maybe even in the wide receiver one territory moving forward. Yep. And then, of course, the big question with the Saints is what direction are they going to go at quarterback? We still don't know. Uh, Dennis Allen, again, on Monday has refused to name a starter for the week. So he's going to he's going to take it down to the wire again, it seems like. Um, it's, uh, it's a tough call for this team because Dalton is maybe the more – steady hand although three picks doesn't help his case that much i guess one of them i think wasn't his fault but um but you know with the the state of their defense how bad their defense is they might need Jameis winston's playmaking ability but it's it's important coming up for this week because they play vegas at home and vegas is giving up a ton of points to to opposing quarterbacks yeah, so so we'll talk I, about i was wrong those guys i, in the I was wrong to sit andy dalton in our super flex league uh he was he's the number two fantasy quarterback i think coming into tonight so 
Um, even though he had a lot of picks, he was good for fantasy. He was sort of like Jameis was, you know, five years ago with the Bucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so, true. <laughs> at least in that game. Yep. All right. So let's move on to Sunday's games, and we'll start with. All right, we're gonna start here. So I know you're you're a Ravens guy, and I'm a Browns guy. We, we're still <laughs> friends anyway. Uh, Ravens twenty three, Browns twenty, and I I have to say I just have to put it out there. There were some pretty questionable calls uh, by the referees in this game. It's it's really par for the course for the Browns because they always find some way to lose games. And uh, this one, I mean, the Ravens have have also had trouble holding on to leads late in games uh, mm-hmm. uh, lately, and the Browns almost came back in this game. Um, but there was this uh, phantom false start call on a uh, <laughs> on a field goal attempt that pushed it back uh, to sixty yards, and then it was blocked. Uh, there was also something strange with the uh, with the the clock. Did you see that the the clock ran I, down no, to two minutes? Oh, I did see that. Yes, I, I said that to my wife. We were sitting there watching, and I'm like, um, they're definitely going to say something about that and get that set back, right? Because they just missed the two minute warning. Yeah, that was some yeah, home cooking like taking there. A, take, taking a timeout away from the Browns, essentially. Yep, so, they did. Yeah, there were a few few shady things there, but um, that's just the life of a Browns fan, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was like, the, it was. you're right, at the end it was like, are the Browns going to find a new way to lose, or are the Ravens going to blow another one? And it was just, you know, you know, in the end, yeah, Harbaugh was on the sideline just like yelling. It's almost like he got the call, right? And it was kind of a phantom call that they just kind of gave to the guy yelling the loudest is what it seemed like to me. Yeah, the Browns didn't argue it at all. They just kind of like drooped their heads. Yeah. And I don't know what was going on there, man. But anyway, from a know. fantasy perspective, I think the biggest story here has to be Gus Edwards. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been a lot of twists and turns with the Ravens' backfield, and there could be more. But uh, last week, as we know, uh, J.K. Dobbins uh, couldn't finish the game. They called it his knee tightening up on him a little bit. Well, it turned out that uh, he had he's been dealing with scar tissue from his ACL surgery, and now he's had a, another knee surgery, an arthroscopic surgery that's supposed to sideline him for four to six weeks. At at this point, I'm pretty much writing off 2022 for J.K. Dobbins, and uh, if I have him in Dynasty, I'm feeling a little bit nervous about 2023 mm-hmm. at this point too. But um, Kenyon Drake looked really great uh, last week stepping in for Dobbins, but um, Gus Edwards was activated off the pup list and he was thrown right into the fire. He was not eased in, uh, the way nope. that, uh, that Dobbins had been eased in. And I think that that might be because he's, he had just a, a, a traditional ACL tear as opposed to Dobbins who had multiple other ligaments torn. So it seemed like Edwards was just ready to go. And, um, he's clearly the best back in their backfield. So even though Drake played well last week, um, Edwards immediately jumped to the front of the line and ends up rushing for 66 yards and two touchdowns. I know. And you're, you're right though. It could get, it could still be messy moving forward a little bit. Um, but it might not. I mean, it was surprising that they just threw him right into the fire, like you said. And, uh, you know, the two touchdowns, like that might be a little bit fluky. Uh, you know, Mark Andrews had no catches, uh, in this game. He had been, he had missed some practice himself earlier in the week. So maybe he's dealing with a little bit of injury, himself so maybe that had something to do with the zero catches for Andrews which really hurts a lot uh, I would I would just see if you could try to buy low on Andrews after that terrible start you know see who has him because tight end is such a spot that's hard to get anyone good so <laughs> try to do that if you can for Andrews and Bateman Rashad Bateman was back uh, in this game as well he had four catches for 42 so nice to see that in his first game back but yeah Lamar Jackson just didn't really do anything. This was all, like you said, on the Ravens side, it's all about Gus, Gus Edwards in this one. Yeah, and Lamar's actually not played particularly well for 
the better part of a month now, at least like fantasy yeah. wise. Like he he is he started off on fire this season, and now uh, he has a total of three touchdown passes and four interceptions in his last four games. So that's not great. He's still rushing. No. You know, he's still providing some rushing value, but I mean, he's basically been like Marcus Mariota for the last month, you know, which is not what you're <laughs> yeah. not what you were paying for when you drafted him. So uh, we know the upside with Lamar. He can have those ceiling games, um, but it would be nice to see one of them soon. Yeah. On your Brown side, I mean, Nick Chubb, even in a, even in a loss, you know, he had 16 carries, 91 yards and a touchdown. Um, so he had, he had a solid game and a loss. And we talked about guys like Amari Cooper, who are pretty much an every week start now. And we even talked about Donovan Peoples-Jones in the preview as being you know, solid. And he, he was, he had six catches for 71 yards. So he's a guy that you can, you know, look at flexing kind of every week as well. Yeah. And the big news on the Brown side, of course, is that David Njoku was hurt in this game and was wearing mm-hmm. a walking boot after the game. He's, he's now supposed to be out for two to five weeks, I believe was the estimate. Yep. Uh, so that's a big hit because given the state of the tight end position, I mean, Njoku had almost forced himself into the top five at the position in my book. So uh, that's yep. a big hole to fill. Harrison Bryant is, is the last man standing among the tight ends for the Browns. I believe Pharaoh Brown also was hurt in this game. Um, so Harrison Bryant is a name to consider on the waiver wire uh, just because uh, the Browns do really like to throw to their tight end, especially with uh, Jacoby Brissett under center. And then Kareem Hunt also, he got in the end zone, but only five carries for four yards. And there are some trade rumors swirling about Kareem Hunt. So Mm-hmm. Um, we could see him move before the deadline. That wouldn't be surprising, especially with the Browns falling out of playoff contention. They might want to try to get some draft pick compensation for him if they can. Yeah, so your guy, Dearness Johnson, could be a nice speculative ad, right? That's right. I got, I've had him uh, stashed in Dynasty <laughs> for for the better part of a year. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, next game, Bengals 35, Falcons 17. And I'm going to take a little victory lap on this one since I did make Joe Burrow my number one QB for the week, and he was the number one QB for the week. 481 yards and three touchdowns in this game. Um, The (laughs) Bengals are really firing on all cylinders right now. Um, T. Higgins looks to be fully healthy. Jamar Chase is doing Jamar Chase things, and Tyler Boyd has really been in a groove of late, and he had a huge game in this one. Eight catches, 155 yards, and a touchdown, including a a 60-yard touchdown bomb. Um, So, yeah, I mean, at this point, you want to be playing uh, as many Bengals as you can. I mean, Hayden Hurst was six catches and forty-eight yards for a tight end. That'll that'll do just yeah. fine. And Joe Mixon got even got on the on into the end zone on the ground, which uh, took three tries, but he did it. And it's that's something that's been a little bit of a, uh, an issue for Mixon. Um, he's had great usage, but not not necessarily great numbers. But this game, uh, he got almost a hundred yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. What's crazy is like all that production, like for those five touchdowns, came in the first half too. So it was just like they were just cruising in the second half. And you know, I'll just say on the on the Atlanta side, you know, Mariota thirteen pass attempts. You know, this is just becoming the norm. They just we've talked about how they're so run heavy. Uh, I did talk about Tyler Algier, how I liked him coming into this game, and said he might have a boring stat line of like fifty yards and no touchdown, but you might be happy if he could find a touchdown, mm-hmm. which is kind of what happened. And he did have he did have that touchdown, and he dove in and looked good doing it. Um, you know, we'll see how things shake out here. We haven't seen Damian Williams come back yet. Cordero Patterson's on the IR. So Tyler Algier has really taken this opportunity, I think, and is the clear lead back at least of this, you know, kind of run heavy committee. So I like Algier. Uh, if you, if you've had him, um, or 
if he's still available somehow, pick him up. Like I think he's got a couple good matchups coming up, so we'll talk about him in the preview coming you know later this week. But I like Algier moving forward. Yeah, I mean this is such a run heavy team. Like I said, they're on pace to set records for being the most run heavy of the last decade. And this game proved it more than anything, I think, because they were way behind in this game. I mean, they were down 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter in this game, uh, down double digits almost the entire, ni- over 90% of the snaps. They were down double digits, and they still only threw 13 passes in the game. So uh, that is just hard to fathom, honestly. It's really bad news. <laughs> Uh, for uh, Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Uh, I I mean, I think people are already pretty much panicking on Pitts, but you really have to panic on Drake London at this point as well. Um, You didn't invest as as much in him, so maybe the panic's a little subdued for that reason. But uh, I don't want to start any Falcon receivers at this point or tight ends. I just – I think it's time that – you know, I think I was already there, but Pitts is definitely banished from my top 12 – uh, tight ends uh, at this point and he has been for a few weeks yeah and he I mean he did to be fair he did have a red zone look he had a touchdown that was super close but again that he's just not getting the volume like you said but he had that one of those almost touchdowns which would have made him probably a top 10 tight end <laughs> for the week but you know he, he really is like a touchdown dependent tight end right now right like that's what he did last week and he's just not getting any yeah kind of volume. I mean, there are plenty of guys like that right that's like yeah. that's that's usually what it is with with lower end tight ends you're looking for you know three catches 30 yards and a touchdown and i think that's pretty much what kyle pitts is at this point yep all right next game the cowboys take it to the lions 24 to 6 uh you know i love that cowboys defense and they sure were Mm -hmm. impressive in this game um it didn't help for the lions that deandre swift was still out even after their bye uh which is a little surprising and not great and then amon ross st brown uh, leaves the game early uh, with for uh, because of the concussion protocol, but turns out he mm-hmm. didn't actually have a concussion, or at least that's what the Lions are saying. But uh, the protocol uh, was changed after the whole Tua Tagovailoa incident, so we saw Teddy Bridgewater uh, leave a game where he didn't actually have a concussion, uh, and it seems like that's exactly what happened to St. Brown in this game. So uh, Goff was really uh, working without all of his most dynamic. Uh, options in the passing game no St. Brown no Swift Uh, DJ Chark is on IR now Uh, so it was it was a rough go especially against uh, a defense as tough as as Dallas is uh, on the road yeah they didn't I mean and gosh I I actually benched Dallas in one league because I played Tampa Um, I've already mentioned that game twice we haven't gotten to it but like (laughs) not that you're bitter uh, or anything (laughs) oh my gosh it's one of those like how did I even end up with both of these defenses in a league but I did and I had ranked Tampa first, I think, in Dallas second or something. It was, yeah, I figured I can't go wrong here, but I, I definitely did. You know, Dallas was really good. A lot of turnovers. One which was, like, inside their own five, you know, and really was a turning point in the game. But, yeah, the Lions couldn't really get anything going. And, you know, Dak looked kind of, you know, a little bit rusty mm-hmm. in his first game back. I uh, had one touchdown pass. Zeke had two touchdowns. Um, but, you know... Michael Gallup uh, with the goose egg was. I know you just traded for him in a league. Um, I, I like I like his prospects moving forward. So maybe you have another buy low opportunity if you want to double down on Gallup because I I still think he will get some work. I don't know. This is to me this might just be an anomaly uh, for Gallup. But what do you think there? I hope so. I'm starting to get a little more nervous about it. Um, Noah Brown played more snaps than him yet again. So uh, I. I I don't know if I can take it for granted that Gallup is is the number two receiver there at this point. I think it's 
still a battle between those two for that role. I do ultimately think that uh, this passing game should get going more, and maybe it can mm-hmm. support both of them. Although uh, the one concern there, of course, is just how good that defense is because they're not going to need to light it up. You know, remember when Dak had that huge year, their defense was the worst in the league, and yeah. their defense is now maybe the best in the league. So um, we could see, uh, especially, you know, in these early weeks where Dak's coming back, they, they may have more games like this where they're not necessarily um, going wide open and throwing the ball all over the field. And uh, I think the main beneficiary could actually be Tony Pollard, uh, who looked, once again, very good in this game. He actually played more snaps than Ezekiel Elliott. Elliott gets the touchdowns, though, two touchdowns for Zeke. So maybe it's a maybe both of them get uh, a boost um, just with Dak kind of steering the offense to more points, but not necessarily um, – putting up huge passing numbers, but having the threat of the pass, uh, making keeping defenses honest, creating more running lanes uh, for Dallas. So it's going to be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, you might be right. Like, that that defense is legit. I think they are the best defense in the league. Uh, they definitely are right now. So just looking at the upcoming schedule, like they get these Bears next week, which, yeah, that shouldn't be much of a challenge, I don't think. And then they have a bye. Then they go at Green Bay, which isn't looking tough right now. And then at Minnesota – you know, th- maybe there'll be some more passing there on the road. Maybe they get down in the game and have some negative game script, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and I, I, I do want to also mention your boy Dalton Schultz. Oh, he's not really your boy because you're always trying to trade him, but you do have yeah. him in our dynasty league, and uh, he he seemed to re-injure his knee in this game. It seemed like they rushed him back for some reason. I'm not really sure why, uh, but he he just didn't look fully healthy to begin with in this game, and then seemed to right away kind of tweak the knee again so yeah i, th- I think his status he kept will playing, be watched yeah he kept playing he got back in there but yeah i, I don't know how healthy he is he we could be looking at another situation where he might have to have to sit a couple games or something exactly all right next game titans 19 colts 10 the final game of the matt ryan era for indianapolis another <laughs> yeah. news item to discuss uh he now leads the NFL and interceptions with nine. He threw two more picks in this game. Uh, did not play well at all. Uh, so he turned back into a pumpkin just in time for Halloween uh, after his big game the uh, the previous week. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like. I'm kind of worried about the Colts' offense in general right now uh, with Sam Erlinger uh, taking over. I just don't know what to expect from him. And uh, who, you know, which receivers is he going to have a rapport with? It's kind of mm-hmm. like starting from scratch there. Uh, you know, Paris Campbell has kind of been coming on lately, and um, he uh, he had a nice game, 10 catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown this game. Uh, but it's going to be, I mean, Pittman you can still play, but I'm going to have trouble trusting Paris Campbell or Alec Pierce uh, going forward um, with Sam Ellinger until we – uh, see that he's ready uh, to uh, compete at the highest level. Yeah, agreed. It's going to be tough to rank these guys or start these guys with confidence other than Pittman. I do think there's a possibility that, you know, Paris Campbell could continue continue to see a lot of targets, like these short yardage uh, with a quarterback coming in here. But I think the big beneficiary probably are the running backs. I think Jonathan Taylor, who only had 10 carries here, I could see him having 25 carries next week, you know, yeah. and Naheem Hines. But where do you – I mean, you know, we'll, we'll do our rest of season rankings later in the week, but, like, where where are you ranking Jonathan Taylor at this point? I mean, at, at some point he needs to have a good game to justify the hype, right? I mean, I I, it's true. I barely see him as an RB1 at this point. 
Well, and and well, with some of these guys falling off due to injury, like that kind of elevates them up. And then with this, I just think they're probably going to go more run heavy. So I I just keep finding reasons to keep them up there. But you're, I mean, your point's taken. Like, well, how about Travis yeah. Etienne versus Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Etienne above Taylor. Yeah, right now. exactly. Kenneth sure. Walker versus Jonathan Taylor. Yep. Walker for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So guys like that are jumping Jonathan Taylor, who was the consensus number one overall uh, pick uh, coming into the season. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I'll have to, I'll, we'll have to see. I don't know. I don't know if I'll move him out of like my top 12. I think I'll still probably have him up there, but he'll be on the lower end of that. Yeah, sure. no, I, th- I agree. I think that's about right. 10, 12 area. Uh, yeah. And then on the, on the Titan side, um, I mean, Derrick Henry just keeps running over teams. I knew he was going to run over uh, the Colts. I had him. <laughs> as my RB2 uh, for the week. And uh, the nice thing about Henry is um, he has 16 targets, uh, passing game targets in the last four weeks, which is the most, that's the most he's had over a four-game stretch in his entire career. So, um, you know, the Titans are a team that are playing well. Uh, They're not a team many people uh, thought highly of coming into the year, but um, with Mike Vrabel, they're just always, that team is just always tough, you know? And it's kind of, you look at them and you're like, they don't have a great passing game. They don't have a, a great defense. <laughs> like, why are they four and two? But they just keep controlling games, and that means ca- they can keep feeding Derrick Henry. But I do feel like, you know, even if they do get in these situations where they have negative game script and they have to uh, pass the ball more, I think Henry now it's looking like will stay on the field for more of that work than he would have in years past. So that makes me feel a little more confident uh, that that. Henry can uh, can keep doing what he's doing regardless of uh, game flow. Yeah, and well, next week they play at the Texans, uh, who are terrible against the run, and he destroys them. So oh, yeah. I, RB1. he'll be my number one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Robert Woods, I actually started him in a league. Mm. Yuck. Like, yeah. he's just... He's droppable, honestly. Like after yeah. a game like this, like after the behind stuff. So yeah, it, there's no one in this pass game you really want right now. No, it's just maybe later in the year Traylon Burks reemerges, but for now it's it's hands off. I would say I agree. All right, next game, yep. uh, Commanders twenty three, Packers twenty one. Uh, the Packers have now lost uh, to the Giants, Jets, and Commanders the last three weeks, uh, and it's basically just like frustrated Aaron Rodgers on the camera all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I guess this all should have been kind of predictable with Dev- Devontae Adams gone, but it's just been worse than even imagined. Um, he did end up getting two touchdown passes in this game. So from a fantasy perspective, he didn't totally kill you. But I think he had like I, – I don't remember the exact number, but his yardage total in the first half of this game was absurdly low. It was like and, – and Romeo Dobbs is like – he was getting really mad at him. And I think that, you know, Dobbs didn't catch a single one of his four targets and uh, all the metrics on Dobbs are, are looking really poor right now. Uh, Alan Lazard got hurt in this game, shoulder injury. And he was like kind of the one guy uh, in the passing game that, uh, that Rogers had a good thing going with. So uh, it's, it's dark times and they're playing Buffalo <laughs> next week. It's going to get worse. I know. I mean, it's going to be that week. It's going to be start Aaron Jones because uh, you pretty much have to as like an RB two. But that's going to be it because he had two touchdowns in this game. He he had a really nice one down the side where Rogers was kind of scrambling to his left and you know hit him on just sort of a busted play or whatever. Right. I mean, Aaron Jones is great. Like I, I can't 
I can't sit him even again in a tough matchup. You know, I feel like he's going to at least have the opportunity to get you like 10 or 12 fantasy points, but I'm not trusting anyone else on this team right now for sure. Yeah. And what a disappointment AJ Dillon has been too. I, I really thought, um, I really thought that the Packers would make an effort to get the ball to their running backs more consistently this season because they're, they just had so many question marks in the receiving core. You just figured they would game plan for that and they would actually figure out how to make use of their running backs. And they, they've just done such a poor job of that this season. Um, I know. Yeah. I mean, like the play you talked about with Jones was great, but that was almost like, I feel like that was almost like muscle memory from previous seasons. You know, it was like <laughs> Rogers and Jones getting outside of, of any sort of play script and just doing the thing that they've done in the years past. And it was a great play by Jones to haul it in, but those are just not the kind of plays you can really count on week in and week out. Yeah. Uh, and on the Washington yeah. side, you know, Heineke, Heineke, you know, came in and like he, this guy, you know, he's, he was, he's been good when he, when he's been given the chance for the commanders, not necessarily from a fantasy perspective, but just for the team. And as a leader, I, I, I like me some Taylor Heineke. I, I'm not going to be ranking him too highly, you know, week after week in fantasy, but also really like to see Brian Robinson getting 20 carries, even though, you know, 3.7 yards per carry isn't great, but the volume was there. It was An- Antonio Gibson who actually had a receiving touchdown, but he actually got a decent amount of work too. Cause just the game script was, they just kind of kept doing that and Washington had the ball a lot, but I was, I was happy to see Brian Robinson getting a lot of volume there. If you have him, I mean, he keeps moving up my rest of the season rankings. Yeah. I mean, he's one of these guys that you could look at the snap count and it might not be that huge, but when he's on the field, they give him the ball, you know, he, so he just gets a lot of carries and that should continue. Um, you know, the fact that he, uh, he's not a huge factor in the passing game, but he did catch two passes for 13 yards in this game. So he's at least not invisible there. Um, it seems like JD McKissick is the guy who's kind of getting squeezed out of the committee. Um, cause Gibson, we know has, has receiving ability as well. So, mm-hmm. um, it, it does seem like it's turning into a little bit more of a two man committee, uh, which I don't think McKissick's going to completely go away, but if he's only playing like 15, 20% of the snaps, that does make Gibson, uh, a more interesting option as a potential RB three flex. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm only holding McKissick right now after this game in like PPR leagues, you know, because he was getting four, five, six catches a game uh, pretty regularly. That was, but you know, he was pretty invisible here. And so, if this is going to be the norm potentially uh, moving on, maybe it was, maybe it was just kind of game plan specific. Maybe it's just kind of how the the game went with with the Packers. But yeah, I, I, I you can drop McKissick, I think, in pretty much every league, and maybe just bench him in a PPR league for now. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right, next game, uh, Panthers twenty one. And the Bucks three. This is the game you keep talking about, so I will let you go first, and the floor is yours. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I had the I had the Bucks on like, you know, more than one bet for sure, like money line parlays and such. I even bet them when when the news came out about McCaffrey traded. I think the line was at like eleven, and then it, you know, I got it at like twelve before it jumped all the way up to maybe thirteen or fourteen. I mean, I'm just picturing all the people in the big casinos in Vegas, just getting all this bucks money come in and like just laughing all the way to the bank, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to think from a fantasy perspective, you know, there's better options than Tom Brady right now, for sure. Um, I have him in one league and I don't know, I'm, I might bench him. He play, they play Thursday night and they're an underdog uh, to the Ravens. So that's kind of interesting there. And I mean, this game, I'll say this and then you can give me what you think on the game, but like, Mike Evans had that big drop right at the beginning. Yeah. And it was just like downhill from there. You know, like 
that could have been so such a big difference maker in the, just how the game went. Um, but it didn't, and that's football. And honestly, I, I love it that the Panthers won twenty-one to three. Yeah, you know, I'm not a Bucks yeah. fan. I'm not a Panthers fan. I thought it was awesome. Well, you know, I've been beating the the drum all season that the Panthers, even though they're a bad team, have a good defense. So, um, yeah. it doesn't completely shock me that the Bucks struggled offensively, given that uh, they struggled last week <laughs> offensively too uh, mm-hmm. against a team that is a, a, a bottom feeding team. So uh, this is just where the bucks are right now. I mean, Leonard Fournette has averaged less than three yards per carry in five of his last six games. Um, mm-hmm. They worked Rashad white in more in this game. And I would definitely want to stash Rashad white in any leagues where he's available right now, because this team needs a spark and I'm not sure yep. Leonard Fournette can give that spark to them. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the backfield continue to shift in white's direction just to see what he can do um and then yeah i don't think brady is a top 12 quarterback i don't you know you can play him and if he has really good matchups but um he's only thrown more than one touchdown in one of his seven games this season so yeah uh, yeah it's (laughs) it's been ugly and um you know to me the only guys i'm really excited to play are evans and godwin and it's just because you know they're gonna see a ton of targets i mean Evans had 15 targets in this game. Godwin had 13. Uh, Evans ended up with a fine game. Godwin, 13 targets. He had 43 yards. I mean, that's mm. really terrible. Um, but, you know, I feel like you can still start those two guys every week. But And you're starting Fournette for now, but I would be a little worried about Fournette. Uh, Brady, I just, yeah, I would look elsewhere if you can. And, um, you know, I like Kate Otten, so I will give him a shout. Four catches, 64 yards. It does seem like... He's kind of emerging, and just given the state of tight end, that that's uh, the kind of stat line that should get your attention. Yeah. On the Panther side, you know, when we previewed this game, I did say I wasn't going to start anyone other than CMC, and of course then he's gone, and I, w- I wouldn't have started anyone in this game. But, you know, DJ Moore did have a good game. He had 10 targets, 7 catches for 69 yards, and a touchdown. So, you know, we talked about maybe it was a good buy-low opportunity on DJ Moore and just bench him and kind of see how things play out. And they're saying they're not going to trade him, right? That he's like a linchpin yeah. piece or whatever building block of this team. So um, DJ Moore could have been a good buy low last week. And now you probably can't buy him quite as low. Yeah. I mean, I still think he's at best like a wide receiver three, though, really. I, I don't know. I I mean, I, I kind of like PJ Walker because I just think he's he's the kind of guy. He's like the anti-Baker Mayfield. Like he's the guy that's not going to try to do too much. You know, he's just going to mm-hmm. try to get the ball in his playmaker's hands. The problem is he has one less playmaker now. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not counting Robbie Anderson as a playmaker, but Christian McCaffrey <laughs> is gone. So that's um, that's that's a, a tough one. But, yeah, I mean, I think Moore is, you know, it's kind of like a, a Darnell Mooney situation at this point, you know. Um, yeah. Well, And then, but the, the real interesting thing was the running back replacements for McCaffrey. Um, you know, De- Deonta Foreman was, the, was the, the preferred pickup for most people. Um, but the shortly before game time, the, the Panthers uh, listed Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard, as the starting running back, which was kind of interesting. Um, and then Hubbard actually did play more snaps than Foreman until he got hurt, and he left the game with an ankle injury, and then Foreman ended up playing the most snaps. Uh, they both ended up having good fantasy games. That's the most surprising mm-hmm. part. 15 carries, 118 <laughs> yards uh, on the ground for Deonta Foreman, plus 27 yards through the air. And then Chuba Hubbard, nine carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown. So because uh, he got the touchdown, Foreman was up close to 150 yards from scrimmage. They both had good good fantasy games. I, I'm not really changing my 
take on these guys, though. I still think it's going to be a pretty even committee. I think they're both RB threes. Like I just don't. Yeah. I don't really see a path to RB two value for either of these guys unless they really break away. And I don't think either of them did it uh, in this particular game. Right, and uh, you just replace CMC in the aggregate, you know, just like in Moneyball, you know, you trade you trade away a big guy, and then you just like Giambi, <laughs> and then you replace him in the aggregate. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Maybe maybe you should be a GM too. <laughs> All right, next game, uh, Giants twenty three and the Jaguars seventeen. Uh, Giants and Brian Dable just keep winning these close games, one after another after another. Ten fourth mm-hmm. quarter points to come back. Uh, and win this game. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there was a gruesome eye injury to Daniel Bellinger. Uh, Wandale Robinson really um, started getting more playing time and more. He was uh, first on the Giants in targets and second in uh, routes run. So I think he's officially in that wide receiver three conversation now. Saquon did Saquon things. And Daniel Jones, over 100 <laughs> yards rushing. Uh I you know we've talked on the show many times about his sneaky uh, rushing value, but uh, mm-hmm. it might not be so sneaky anymore when he's going over the century mark. I know people are going to start noticing. And I was watching you know some of this game. I was watching Red Zone in the early games, and the turf monster got him again. He could have had an even bigger run on one of those. Um, yeah, it was is good. I mean, this is what Daniel Jones does now, and he's like a top 10, 12 fantasy quarterback moving forward. Time to put some respect on it. I was talking about this is like the Rodney Danger Rodney Dangerfield game. Because the Giants were a three-point underdog going in, and I mean they could have they could have lost it at, at the end, but they were still going to cover that spread, to be honest, one way or another. So, yeah, the Giants they won the game. They're, I mean, they're looking good, and they're they're still winning games. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I echo everything you said there. Yeah, and then on Jacksonville side, uh, we you know we already talked about the fact they traded James Robinson, but Travis Etienne, fourteen carries, hundred fourteen yards, and a touchdown in this game, and now he's really pretty much got this backfield to himself. So, you know, rocket emoji for him. Um, Christian Kirk gets back on track, seven catches, 96 yards on 10 targets. Um, So that was good to see. I mean, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence played better in this game, 310 yards. uh, Didn't throw any touchdowns, however. Yeah, and all these guys got got good targets, you know. Marvin Jones, A. Jones, they all had... They had eight targets, ten targets. Evan Ingram in his little revenge game had four catches for 67 yards on seven targets. So um, Evan Ingram's still a guy like he's going to end up as a top 12 tight end. He just is. And you might not be happy to play him week after week, but it's it's someone you can fill in, you know, if you have a guy on a bye, like a Travis Kelsey or whatever. I mean, Evan Ingram's just someone who's going to get you some points. He's not going to give you a zero at this point, I feel like. Yeah, he's a volume play. He and, he and Zay Jones both. I mean, Zay Jones, 10 targets in this game. Like, he just keeps getting that usage, so... I think we'll have to talk about uh, Ingram and uh, Zay Jones when we get to the waiver wire. Yep. All right. Next game: Jets sixteen, Broncos nine. Uh, I mean, the Jets are winning games too, but they um, they are not a team that can put up any kind of passing numbers at this point, and they lost their most dynamic player for the season in this game. Um, so I don't know where are we at with this. I mean, uh, it doesn't seem like they're gonna go away from Zach Wilson anytime soon but uh the receivers were you know it was a three-way situation and then Elijah Moore complained about his role and sat out this week um Corey Davis got a little banged up Garrett Wilson really did nothing and he's done nothing for the better part of a month now um you know I guess it was Michael Carter was looking like he was going to be 
the best fantasy option on this team, but now he's got James Robinson to deal with. So is this just a team uh, where they keep winning games in real life, but for fantasy, it's just kind of uh, a mess? Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right. I do think that, like, we already talked about Carter and Robinson. I think those guys, you're going to maybe look at flexing them uh, this week and, you know, coming up. I think Zach Wilson, yeah, and the receivers, you're not looking at them at all. Uh, They're basically just trying to hide Zach Wilson. We're seeing the same thing with kind of like Mariota a bit uh, with Justin Fields, who's playing tonight. He had a nice rushing touchdown to start the game off. But a lot of these young quarterbacks are just not letting them them uh, do much I, I guess I shouldn't throw Mariota into the mix of young quarterback anymore <laughs> no. but you know it's just like these run heavy attacks I mean I think the Jets are going to continue to try and do this their their defense is looking good they're going to win some ugly games uh, like this one where you had you know no Russell Wilson Brett Rippon on the other side um, and you know they the, the Broncos couldn't really do anything here you know so the Jets holding them to nine points um, yeah I, I don't know I I think you're, I think you're right. That's a good evaluation. I mean, I will say that moving forward, the the Broncos are one of the best pass defenses in the entire NFL. And when they're the home team, they might be the toughest matchup you could possibly have. So, I will cut Zach Wilson a little slack on that. But I mean, we haven't seen anything from him uh, since no. he took over that suggests he's about to start fleeing the ball around the yard. Um, and then, yeah, the Broncos. I mean, it's just been so ugly with this team. Uh, Brett Rippon was not gonna magically solve those problems uh for them um you know melvin gordon did go back uh, into the lead at running back uh after the strange non-benching benching that he had last <laughs> week i guess you could say um but mike boone got hurt in this game and he's on ir now so uh, they signed yep. marlon mack which doesn't really make sense considering they have melvin gordon and latavius murray i i felt i feel like they need like more of a pass catching back than the than another another kind of older bruiser type but that's what they did <laughs> so um yeah i mean i you know it's just it's just kind of gross i i did tell someone to play Cortland sutton i feel bad about that because he got nine targets but he only caught three for 23 yards so um he almost had a touchdown but couldn't quite bring it in uh jerry judy surprisingly big game greg dolchitz continues to look like a viable uh, back end tight end one uh, mm-hmm. but yeah I'm you know it's just we've seen everyone's seen so much of the Broncos they've seen much more than they would have wanted to see really oh gosh we're gonna see them again too they play in London at 9 30 uh, on Sunday <laughs> yeah. so they're gonna be right back on TV and I I might just I might just skip that one if we're exporting <laughs> our game overseas to try to build the fan base maybe sending the Broncos is not the best uh, strategy <laughs> I know. Although, and, uh, who would have known that coming into the air? That's the problem. <laughs> true. And maybe we'll talk Dolchich in a little bit, because I, I probably have him in my top five tight end waiver guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Raiders 38, Texans 20. Uh, this game had shootout written all over it, and it was. I mean, the, the Texans didn't quite hold up there under the bargain, but they did in the passing game, at least. And honestly, if you look at it from a fantasy perspective, I mean, Damian Pierce had 92 rushing yards. Davis Mills threw 302 yards and two touchdowns. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the uh, the, the uh, Texans did actually move the ball more than they typically do, but um, it was a little uh, disappointing on the on the uh, pass catching side for them because Brandon Cooks only had four four catches for 46 yards. Nico Collins got banged up in this game. I liked him as a sleeper, but he only had three for 33. Um, they spread the ball around to a ton of different receivers, but 
Um, the real story, of course, is on the Raiders side and Josh Jacobs, who I just <laughs> he's just shooting up and up my rest of season rankings to, uh, you know, at this point, I feel like he's a top five running back for sure. Yeah, he's got to be. And it's just funny, like the roller coaster of the preseason with him, where it was just like everyone was hating on Josh Jacobs, you know, and just it was going to be Zamir White and it was going to be uh, who was going to be the pass catching Amir Abdullah, right? He had a great preseason yep. game and everybody's like, or oh, Br- he's going to be the James Brandon White. Bolden. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. For, you know, so it was just, you know, I don't know if it was all smoke and mirrors or if J- Josh Jacobs is just emerging or whatever. Maybe he's playing for a contract, you know, because they didn't sign him to that, con- that uh, well, I guess, fifth year. So whatever the case is, yeah, for fantasy purposes, I agree with you. He's he's jumping up near like my top five. Yeah, I mean, if you had told backs. people coming into the season that Josh Jacobs was going to be far better than Jonathan Taylor, they would have looked at you funny. But that's that's <laughs> yeah. football. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts? I mean, I, I kind of knew Devontae Adams would have a nice game. I mean, he didn't get a touchdown, but he had a nice game. Eight catches, 95 yards. Uh, you know, Darren Waller is hurt, and so that made – Foster Moreau, a sneaky player, but he only had three for 28. A little disappointing, yeah. but um, it's really it's really the Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams show on this team at this point, I think. Yep, I agree. Any, anything else you want to add on the Texans? Uh, no, I mean, like they like you said, I was also high on Nico Collins. I think he had all three of those catches in the first half, and yep. then I think he left with like a groin injury or something, so yep. he, he's back to the waiver wire probably for me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's like the kind of guy you stream in, in a matchup like this when they're facing the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, it was it, it. Everything was lining up, and it just didn't quite. You know, Philip Dorsett ended up getting a second half touchdown, right? So yeah, eh. exactly. Oh well. All right, uh, Seahawks thirty-seven, Chargers twenty-three. Uh, where do you want to? Where do you want to kick off on? Which team you want to start off with here? I mean, I got to start off with Ken Walker. I think yeah. you know. I mean, the dude like he had a great game, and then he poured it on at the end. Had another long, you know, run, another touchdown. I mean, this guy had 23 carries, 168 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Um, nothing really in the receiving game, but I don't really care. Pete Carroll's going to run the ball. We have no Rashad Penny. Uh, like we just talked about at the beginning, like or we were talking about Jonathan Taylor. Like I think I'd rather have Ken Walker yep. over Jonathan Taylor Absolutely. rest of the season. So yeah, yeah. And uh, the other big news on the Seattle side was that DK Metcalf got carted off, and this time it was not for a bathroom break. It was uh, <laughs> because he had a knee injury, and Pete Carroll is, like, the most rosy, optimistic coach of them all when it comes to describing injuries. Um, yeah. So he is refusing to rule out DK Metcalf for week eight, but that, to me that doesn't even necessarily mean he doesn't end up on IR. <laughs> or or misses right. the amount of games you would if you were on IR, but doesn't get put on IR because uh, Pete Carroll is such an optimist. I I don't know. We'll have to see on the severity that X-rays were negative, but uh, it could be one of those things where if it's ligaments and things like that, you you have other tests you need to do, MRIs and such to uh, determine the full extent of the damage. So I would be surprised if DK Metcalf. I mean, I'd be shocked if he played next week, but I would. I would expect him at least to be out for a couple weeks. Um, and that means Marquise Goodwin is a name to think about because mm-hmm. uh, he had four catches for 67 yards and two touchdowns in this game. I had actually already been boosting him up my rankings last week just because it wasn't certain that Tyler Lockett would play in this game. Um, mm-hmm. But it turned out it was Metcalf not uh, not being in the lineup that, that boosted Goodwin a little bit. So I, I feel like Goodwin's skill set is more similar to Lockett's. I mean, nobody... Nobody can replace what Metcalf can do. Um, but I, I still think Goodwin is probably the primary beneficiary if Metcalf misses time. 
Yeah, wasn't Goodwin a track star at one point? Yeah. Like, wasn't he like trying out for the Olympics and stuff? Like, yeah, he's a speedster. Yeah, um, yeah, and on, I was really happy about this this game too on the the Charger side too. Uh, Austin Eckler had a touchdown early. He had a touchdown late. You know, for his fantasy managers, because you know Austin Eckler's all about his fantasy managers. He's <laughs> he's keyed into what's going on here. He got you a nice garbage time touchdown. If he but, has himself on his fantasy team, is that like you know Pete Rose <laughs> betting on his own team or Calvin Ridley? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Sort of um, subject. <laughs> yeah, I know. But um yeah, you know, like I was happy on this one. I've been I've been tweeting out my anytime touchdown bets and I had Ken Walker, I had uh I had Eckler. So, you know, this game was very profitable for me, uh, as was Zeke. We talked about him earlier. So I'm gonna keep tweeting these out. I mean, take a look. I'll put them out on Fridays, maybe Saturdays, but they've been they've been good to me lately. I'm sure it'll all come crashing down at some point because it's it's still gambling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they've been good lately. The life of a gambler. Um, and yeah. then, of course, Metcalf was not the only big-name wide receiver to get hurt in this game. Mike Williams also got hurt late in this mm. game. Uh, he did have a decent game before he got hurt, seven catches, 86 yards, and a TD. But uh, he has a high ankle sprain, I believe, and it's going to miss, quote, weeks, not days. So um, IR is definitely a possibility for him as well. The, the Chargers do go on by next week, so that – Gives him a little more time to heal up. Um, Keenan Allen, by the way, only played 33% of the snaps in this game. He still seems to not be fully over that hamstring injury that he suffered in week one. So uh, (laughs) it has been a long road back if you have Keenan Allen, and he's not all the way back yet. Hopefully after the bye, we finally get Keenan Allen unleashed because uh, Mike Williams is probably not going to be there, and they're going to need Keenan Allen. I mean... You know, Josh Palmer should be back. He had a concussion, was out for this game. Um, but beyond that, it's like DeAndre Carter. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I, I know Gerald Everett um, is, is a pretty good option at tight end, but they, they really need Keenan Allen at this point. Yeah, the bye came at a good time so that, like you said, Keenan Allen could also uh, rest up. But I think Keenan Allen is a great buy low if you can. I mean, hopefully his manager might have put him in and then saw that and now that he's on a buy and you know they might be dealing with buy issues so definitely offer uh make a trade offer for Keenan Allen if you have the space you know and can afford to have him on a buy this week because yeah if Mike Williams misses weeks uh Josh Palmer too I think Josh Palmer to a much lesser extent you could probably give up something very little to get a Josh Palmer in fact he might even be hitting waiver wires oh I think he's um, available in like 80 percent of leagues or something like that yeah so so like if he's if you're in a deeper league or something, you know, I, I think he's a good he'll be he'll be, you know, come week nine, week ten, I think he might be startable as well if Mike Williams is missing a couple games. Yeah, I mean Palmer's been a little frustrated. Like, you know, I was expecting him to pop while Keenan Allen was out and it didn't quite happen, but um, Yeah. But the usage is still promising. So you gotta think just with Justin Herbert throwing the ball, uh, the number two receiver there should be able to uh, give you some nice fantasy numbers. Yep, and try to hang on to, like you said, Gerald Everett, try to hang on to him to the bye week if you can. I mean, I know it's tough with tight ends to try to keep two tight ends uh, through a bye week, but yeah, like if, if Williams is going to miss time, Gerald Everett's been a top 10 top ten tight end, great option, good volume with Keenan Allen out and now maybe, maybe Mike Williams out. Yeah, I would, definitely, I would definitely hold on to Gerald Everett through the bye. Yeah. Uh, all right, next game, Chiefs 44, 49ers 23. Um, I'll start on the Chiefs side, and they uh, – they named Isaiah Pacheco the starter uh, just prior to uh, this game kicking off. And um, that's, you know, Ian Rappaport had a big story about it on Sunday morning. And uh, it was supposed to be this this big sea change and all that. And it was a very small change. I mean, 
basically Pacheco took Clyde Edwards Hilaire's role and Clyde Edwards Hilaire has been very frustrating because he doesn't ever play more than like 40% of the snaps and is extremely touchdown dependent. So, you know, Pacheco basically took that role and Edwards Hilaire took Pacheco's role. But the the bottom line is that Jarek McKinnon led the team in snaps, led the backfield in snaps, <laughs> which he's done in every week except for week four. So uh, it's a, it's still a three-way committee. Um, it's even more of a three-way committee when Pacheco is getting big snaps because there have been some weeks where he only plays like 15, 20% of the snaps. But right mm-hmm. now it's a full-on three-headed monster. Um, Edwards Allaire, of course, ends up getting a touchdown like he, he always does. It was his sixth of the season. Um, McKinnon, like I said, plays the most snaps and is the guy that catches some passes from Mahomes. Um, so, I, you know, I still like stashing Pacheco for the upside because um, if it ever does become a two-man committee, like he's a talented player in a high-scoring offense. So it, it could be a situation. Like if, if, if CEH got hurt or something, I think Pacheco mm-hmm. would be a very interesting fantasy option. But as it is now... I, I can't really start any of these guys. Yeah, and they're heading into their bye week too. This is there's only two teams on bye this week. It's the Chargers, who we just talked about, and the Chiefs. And uh, yeah, I would try to hold on to Pacheco if you can. Um, McKinnon, I would probably let go. But like you said, it's messy. You kind of need an injury to one of these guys or something. But you know, you know this. Like after bye weeks, oftentimes teams will make a little change, right? They'll use that bye week to make a little change. And often the rookies, you know, like you, we talked about Rashad White, like. The Bucks don't have their buy for another like three, four weeks. But if they had their buy this week, I'd be, I'd be right there with you, saying like Leonard Fournette, you know, may the tide may turn. Um, but it often happens after these bye weeks, so I try to hold on to Pacheco if I could. Yeah, that, I, yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, then as far as the receivers go with Kansas City, you know, I, this this was a rare week where they all they all hit. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, seven catches, hundred twenty-four yards and a TD. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, three catches, one hundred eleven yards. Uh, Nicole Hardman, two rushing touchdowns on, on <laughs> end arounds. Um, and then also a third touchdown, uh, as a receiver. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and that was on like a little screen. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty much feeling I, like this didn't really change how I feel about these guys. I think Juju is the only one that I would ever really feel super comfortable starting and even he's just kind of like a wide receiver three really um but you might be able to justify him as like a low-end wide receiver two just because he's getting like eight targets every week from Patrick Mahomes but MVS and and Hardman they're just they're rolls of the dice you know and if you're like if you're rolling the dice I'd rather roll the dice on them than guys on than like a a deep threat on a different team because they're playing with Patrick Mahomes so for that reason only I I can see scenarios where you start them in a deeper league or leagues with multiple flex spots you got bye weeks that kind of thing but it's just hard to see a scenario where those guys become guys you can trust every single week yeah I agree with with MBS with Hardman uh Juju is becoming that that number one receiver I think <laughs> you know it, it seems to be that way like you said but yeah with with MBS like like with them on the bye I think if you're most people listening are probably in 10, 12 team leagues, I'd be fine dropping MBS even after this game. Three catches for over 100 yards. I mean, he had a big play. Okay. Um, Hardman, it's tougher to drop him after this kind of game, mm-hmm. right? Like, no one's ever done this. Like, had the two rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown. Right. It's kind of crazy. So maybe sell high. You know, if you can sell him to someone, 
and get someone to throw in your lineup for week eight, I would try to do that depending on who it might be. Yeah, and I will say with Hardman, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit biased because I've had him stashed in our Dynasty League for three years, but um, he is. this is his third pretty good game in a row. I mean, this was clearly far and away the best of the three, but he had finished as a top 30 fantasy receiver in each of the previous two games as well. Um you know, he's a former, uh, was he a first round pick or early second? I can't remember, but a high pick. Yeah, I can't remember. Either. And, um, you know, he was, they drafted him essentially as like insurance on Tyreek Hill at the time because it seemed like Hill might get suspended. Um, so they, they drafted Hardman because he had a similar skill set uh, as much as anyone can to Tyreek Hill. Um, yeah. But the talent's never been a question with Hardman. It's just been like the consistency, you know. I mean, he's made so many mistakes. Um, MVS, it's really the same story, too. I mean, these guys, you know, like Hardman made a lot of mistakes the same, you know, early on in his career, the same way that MVS was doing at Green Bay. Um, but it seems like Hardman has become a lot more consistent uh, in, in, in the way he's playing. So maybe, maybe there is a path for him. But, yeah, I would yeah. still – uh, be willing to sell high, like you said, if if there's a buyer there. I'm just kind of skeptical there is. Right. Um, I know we talked a little bit about the CMC trade. Uh, he had eight carries for 38 yards, no touchdowns, but better days are ahead. He had two catches for 24 yards, so he just wasn't even in that much. I think he'll be in a lot more as they face the Rams, who Shanahan tends to own. Yeah, uh, so you know, I think that'll. It was funny because be they the reports coming into the game were that he was supposed to play around 20 snaps, and then. Mm-hmm. He was like on pace to cruise past that number in the first half of this game. Like he played fifty percent of the snaps in the first half, uh, but then he barely played in the second half and ended up playing twenty-one snaps. So the report ended up being dead on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Yeah. yeah, I think you know with the we talked about the receivers. Like Kittle had a really nice nice day, almost a hundred yards and a touchdown. Um, it was Ray Ray McLeod who found the end zone and not Ayuk like in previous. But Ayuk had a solid game too, eleven targets. So it'll like. I agree with you. What you said before, kind of downgrade these guys a little bit, but I think Ayuk will still be in that flex conversation uh, week after week. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's, I mean, this is just a team that should uh, really be scoring a lot of points at this point. And uh, you yep. know, to me, the other big takeaway is Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, there were times where he was cringeworthy in this game, like there often is when you watch Jimmy Garoppolo. But he also made <laughs> a ton of plays, you know. And um, I, he knows the offense. He's got so many weapons to throw to, and he's. Uh, it's just a very well-designed offense as well. So uh, Garoppolo is just, he's doing it every week, you know, like two touchdowns, 250 to 300 yards every single week. And given the state of the quarterback position right now, like that makes him a top 12 guy as well. Like we talked about with Daniel Jones. I, I'd say it's true with Jimmy Garoppolo too. Like these guys are better fantasy options right now than Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, guy, and guys like CMC and Debo are going to make plays for these guys and take it to the house. So, yeah, totally agree. He won't do it with his legs like Daniel Jones, but, yeah, he's got all these playmakers. So, yeah, I like Garoppolo the rest of the season. Yep, yep. All right, and then this we'll get to the uh, Sunday night game, which was uh, the Dolphins 16 and the Steelers 10. It was the return of Tua Tagovailoa, and he came out looking great at the beginning of this game. Um, Mm -hmm. It seemed like it was like a game plan thing. Like they just knew how to attack the Steelers defense. A lot of really short crossing routes and balls coming out of his hand, like super fast lightning. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And that's what Tua can do. I mean that to me, that's like, that is when this offense looks good is when he's just throwing it out real quick to Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle. Cause those guys can get 
can get separation and get the ball in their hands. Mm-hmm. And then it's yards after catch, you know, that's what this team excels at. Uh, the problem is they get away from that. And Tua starts throwing the ball, trying to throw the ball down the field. And that's when uh, you see, he just doesn't have that strong an arm and he doesn't have that accuracy on the deep ball. I mean, there've been some metrics that say he's been accurate on the deep ball, but you know, it's certainly not on that like inter, you know, middle of the field intermediate level. I like, the ones you're supposed to like fire in there to tight spaces, like yeah. he can't make those throws. And the and the Steelers dropped four interceptions in this game, so like yes, you know he didn't throw a pick, but he easily could have thrown multiple picks in this game. So you know, it's again state of the QB situation. Like he's a guy you can play, but uh, but it's really because of of the system and the receivers. Yeah, that first drive was off awesome, but you're right, like. There was one to Tyree Kill that I just, you know, was underthrown, could have been a pick. And you, you just watch the play, and it's like, if that was Tyree Kill in Kansas City, Mahomes would have thrown it 10 yards further, and he would have just walked in the end zone. Yep. And that's, you know, that's just how it is. And, yeah, if they can if they can kind of game plan it better, um, like that first drive, man, and then Mostert had the, the receiving touchdown. Mostert had a solid game. You know, Mostert looked really good. I, and, you know, we, we talk about him. You know, now that we don't have J.K. Dobbins to talk about, I guess we'll talk about Mostert every week. Yeah, we are the captains of the Raheem Mostert fan club, so that's yeah. it was very nice to see. And I love the usage he's getting. I mean, they're really leaning yep. on him. And, you know, like Christian McCaffrey, he has a reputation as a guy with an injury history, but injuries are hard to predict. And, um, you know, he looks like he's going strong right now, and he's fully capable of carrying the load. Yeah, play him if you got him, and uh, you know while he's healthy. And you know on the other side, Najee Harris was a guy we talked about. Like you know he's kind of an RB two. He's fine if you need to play him. Low end RB two. <laughs> yeah, low end right RB two, borderline RB RB three. And I, I mean I feel the same way about Deontay Johnson. Honestly, as a receiver, like you're probably playing him maybe as like a flex at this point. You're gonna have better options moving forward. I mean Kenny Pickett, he looked good at times. I like the way he did the two minute drill. And then he'd throw an interception, you know, mm-hmm. but he'll, he'll sling it. And, um, you know, Pickens looked really good. I think Pickens is a guy who, you know, I would look to maybe even buy, uh, in dynasty. Uh, if you can, you probably can't, you know, he's probably, his, his price is probably pretty high, but like Pickens just looks really How good. How about in redraft? Do you prefer Pickens or Deontay Johnson? I mean, gosh, it's tough. I know. I think I would, uh, yeah, I think in redraft, I'd probably, I, I might have to move Pickens up higher. It's going to be close. I'm not, I'm not. Not ready to do it quite yet. Yeah, me neither. Although it might be one of those ones that comes down to PPR versus non-PPR because I still think Deontay Johnson and PPR, like Pickens caught one more catch than him this year or this game, but I still think, I mean, Deontay Johnson, 10 targets, like he's going to catch a lot of passes still. So in PPR, I still think Deontay Johnson can be a uh, wide receiver too. In in non-PPR though, he, he probably is more of a wide receiver three. And Pickens is the one that has the uh, touchdown upside. I mean, he makes he made a, f- a phenomenal touchdown grab in this game. Just a, a monster in the red zone. So, um, yep. so yeah, his arrow is definitely pointing up. All right, you want to get into a little waiver wire? Let's do it. All right, and uh, as we always do, we are going to be talking about players who are rostered in fifty percent or fewer of Yahoo leagues. Uh, although we will occasionally mention some guys in that. 50 to 60% range just uh, to make sure they're on your radar. Um, and let's start at quarterback as we always do. Uh, and I will let you uh, start us off. Sure. Well, I'll just mention, uh, you know, there are some guys who are over 60, but honestly, I wouldn't even put them ahead of, you know, a couple of these guys that we just t- got done talking about. Daniel Jones and Jimmy Garoppolo are my top two. 
and I would pick them up ahead of Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford, who were like 66 and 69% rostered. So for all the reasons we talked about, Daniel Jones is my number one. He needs to start getting some respect on his name, especially for the rushing yards. Um, and Jimmy Garoppolo, for all the reasons we talked about. Those are my top two. Daniel Jones is my is my number one as well. Um, he's actually up to QB9 for the year, and he gets Seattle this week. And it's on the road, so that's, playing in Seattle isn't the easiest thing, but they're not a great defense, so... Uh, I believe they give up the ninth most fantasy points to QBs. So he's, yeah, he's a guy you can definitely start this week and potentially the rest of the season. Um, I do like Jimmy Garoppolo too. He's at the Rams. That's a little, little tough. Um, I I do want to just throw out Jared Goff. I know people are like being like, why would you want Jared Goff at this point? Like (laughs) he's been terrible the last two uh, games. But both of those games were on the road against really tough defenses uh, yep. without key playmakers. And um, this week, he'll be at home where he has been excellent. He's actually uh, thrown 23 touchdowns and only five picks in 11 uh, home games at Ford Field since he joined the Lions. Uh, and uh, the Dolphins' defense is decimated with injuries in the secondary right now. Uh, we saw that in that Sunday night game against Pittsburgh. And uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Like I said, it wasn't a concussion, so he should be back. I'm still kind of thinking De- DeAndre Swift could be back as well. So I'm I'm actually going to go ahead and uh, start Jared Goff this week, um, even though he's coming off two tough games. Because he looked really well, great uh, earlier in the year in, in favorable matchups at home. Yeah, and with all his weapons, like you said. So he's my number four, so I'm, I'm with you. And if, if it's rest of season outlook – I have Justin Fields ahead of him at number three, but with the caveat of saying he plays at Dallas next week. So um, for next week, I will rank golf higher. So if you need a streamer, I'd go golf. Um, if you're looking rest of the season, you know, in fact, I don't haven't been paying attention enough while we're recording. I did see Justin Fields with that first touchdown, but I don't know what he's doing right now. I did see that they had the lead for a little bit. So in any event, I like the rushing upside of Fields. So I'm going to make him my number three and then golf my number four. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I, I do sort of wonder um, if any of these guys are set it and forget it rest of season kind of guys, though. Um, maybe maybe Daniel Jones would be the closest to it. Um, and, and maybe, like, yeah, maybe Garoppolo is. I don't know. Um, Fields has, but like you said, uh, currently two touchdowns, one rushing, one passing. So that's, that's okay. pretty nice against. But like you Patriots. said with Garoppolo. He he plays he plays at the Rams this week. Um, they're coming off a bye, so they're having two weeks to prepare for Shanahan, <laughs> and then they and then the Niners go on a bye themselves. So Garoppolo in the short term may not be the best bet, you know. Yeah, he's got a tough matchup and then a bye. Yeah, and Fields at Dallas that's going to be tough, but you just hope for the yeah. rushing production, I guess. Um, and then I I do want to say like the Saints haven't said who's going to start, but again, whoever it is 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 going to be at home against the Raiders, so. I think yep. whoever that is is going to be a decent streaming option. Uh, I would prefer it, Jameis Winston, but I would start. I would be okay starting either of him or Andy Dalton against the Raiders. I would agree. Either one. But, yep. Yep. And then if you want to go uh, deeper, you know, I think Marcus Mariota, QB 16 on the year, 142 rushing yards in the last three games. So he just keeps doing it uh, even without throwing the ball much. He's kind of like what Cam Newton did a few years back, if you remember. Uh, Davis Mills put up nice numbers in a favorable matchup last week, and he gets another one this week against the Titans. So in a, in a deeper league, I think you can look at him. 
And then and he's passes by too, you know. So Mills rest of season will he'll he'll accumulate and, and be good, you know, rest of season, especially like in a super flex league. He he would be like a set it and forget it number two quarterback in a super flex, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. And then speaking of super flex, Sam Ellinger, he's mm-hmm. the he's the only one of this group that's going to be likely available in most super flex leagues. Um, and you know, I have no idea what to expect from him. <laughs> there are some people that are comping him to Jalen Hurts, which. Uh, is a, is a bold bold comp. Um, no no pressure, kid. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's got some decent weapons to work with. He has a uh, some rushing ability, I think. So I I wouldn't comp him to Jalen Hurts. I might comp him more to Kenny Pickett. Um, but in that will play in Superflex. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's available in ours. So it'll be interesting interesting to see how many dollars he goes for this week. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess we need to talk about it too. I mean, if you can stomach it, it might be time to stash Deshaun Watson. Like we're getting oh, yeah. we're getting closer to uh, him returning from that suspension. That's true. What is it? Is it week week thirteen? Yeah, be? yeah. So we're yeah we're getting there. But you know, gosh, with the bye weeks, it's tough. It's tough to just have that roster spot. Uh, you can't stash him in the IR. So I think if I was in a situation in um, where I was likely to make the playoffs, yeah. uh, but I, my biggest weakness on my team was QB, I might do it. Yep, you're six and one or something. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, all right, running back. So this is a really interesting week for running back pickups. I think it's a really strong week for running back pickups. Um, yeah, I'll start with Michael Carter. I mean, he's sixty six percent rostered, but I think. If he were available, like I even with them acquiring James Robinson, I think he'd have to be the top pickup this week. Would you agree? I would agree. He's my number one for sure for the reasons we talked about. And then number two for me is Gus Edwards, yep. who's forty three percent rostered. We talked about him. He's got some tough matchups coming up, then a bye week. I, I do think that this could still be a little bit fluid. You know, we haven't seen the Gus Bus be this the guy that he was on Sunday. So I'm still a little skeptical. Um, it's it's certainly possible though. So like I think Michael Carter, you know, spend most or all of your fab if you really need a running back. I think Gus Edwards, you probably could spend same thing like most of your fab if you really need a running back. But yeah, if you don't, I don't know. You know, I don't know that you really spend up for a Gus Edwards when he has a tough matchup and then a bye week coming up. But I mean, I would spend pretty heavily. I I would have said with Michael Carter, like he was a hundred percent of the fab kind of a guy. But now that they have James Robinson. It, to me, these two are close. Like maybe they're both mm-hmm. like fifty percent of the fab guys, you know. So yeah. I wouldn't mind spending like bid it on both of them, and then you'd, you'd be happy with whichever one you get, you know. But again, I Carter like is probably rostered in most competitive leagues, so you're really looking at Edwards. And I, I wouldn't mind being aggressive because um, he's a good player, and it's a team that is usually an effective rushing team, and they've been running the ball well the last couple weeks, so. Um, I think I think he's pretty clearly the lead there at this point. Yeah, my number three is Tyler Algier at forty percent. I'm 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 skipping over the Chuba Hubbard Dante Foreman decision, and I'm going straight to Tyler Algier, who I think is the clear lead back in a super run heavy committee. Uh, it, things might change in a couple of weeks, but I, I don't know. Like he might just also take the job. He's a rookie. Um, they might they might switch over to Desmond Ritter in a couple of weeks. You never know what'll happen with this team. Um, and I just I like Tyler Algier a lot. I've liked him for a couple of weeks now, so I'm rolling with him. Okay, yeah, I think you're a little bit higher on him than I am. Uh, my main problem with him is he's, I mean, he's kind of a, well, you, I know you called Caleb Huntley a bruiser. I would say Algier is also a bruiser. I mean, he. Yeah, they uh, both are. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't, he's like the classic 15 carry for 50 yards guy. And then it's just like, does he get the touchdown? Because 
he doesn't do anything in the passing game at all. Not that there is much passing game to speak of with the with the Falcons, but I mean, he I think he has like I don't think he's caught a pass in the last 3 weeks. So, <laughs> like it, yeah. it's pretty much he needs the touchdown uh, or he, or he's a bust. So, like he's an RB3 for me. Um and then like you said, I mean, I still think Cordero Patterson is ultimately going to be the lead guy once he's back. So, I to me there's also a little bit of a shelf life there. I mean, I I, I, I'll take Algier over Damian Williams and uh, and Caleb Huntley at this point, but I, I still think Patterson is a roadblock there. Uh, I think Algier might be similar to these guys we're talking about, James Robinson, uh, Brian Robinson, for that matter. Um, you know, guys who really aren't they're, – they're running, they're running a lot. They're going to get the volume, um, and they're not necessarily on great teams. I mean, the Jets are looking good, but – I don't know. Like, I just think like if those guys were on the waiver wire, even Gus Edwards, like Gus Edwards typically hasn't been that involved in the passing game. Like I think Kenyon Drake and Justice Hill are likely to be sprinkled in more in the passing game. So I don't know. I don't see a whole lot of difference in some of those guys. So well, I just think Gus Edwards can run for a hundred yards and I don't, I don't really see Algier doing that, but, um, yeah. but yeah, no, I, that's a fair point. I mean, none of those guys are, are super active in the passing game. Um, I, uh, I would, probably go with either of the Carolina backs over Algier myself just because I think they're um it's there's no one there's no Cordero Patterson in this equation so like maybe one of them takes hold of that backfield and um uh, you know I also just think but which that, one <laughs> well, I don't know I mean I'd be happy to take both of them but um yeah I you know for me it's it's pretty much 50 50 between them like to me there's a big gap between Michael Carter and Gus Edwards on the one hand, and then this group of guys we're talking about. Um, I just I think the the upside's lower, and um, I don't know. Deontay Foreman is still probably the guy I'd go for first, just because I think he's a better player than Chuba Hubbard. Um, like Foreman played well last year; uh, he had uh, a, the better game of the two uh, this this last week as well. Um, and Hubbard's a little banged up with the ankle. So if I had to pick one, I'd go Foreman, but uh, it's a coin flip really between those two. And, uh, I'd say that they, Algiers in that same discussion with them. Um, I think if you don't need like a plug and play though, like I would just be happy to grab like Rashad white, you know, if, 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 because I just don't see the upside necessarily with the Carolina guys or Algier compared to what Rashad white could potentially be. Um, mm-hmm. And and maybe you could even throw Pacheco in that in that uh, group as well, or a Kieran Williams, like just guys who like could potentially be great fantasy options if everything breaks right for them. They could also just be nothing. But if you if you don't need uh, an immediate starter, uh, guys like that, um, and they're going to cost a lot less too. Maybe not Pacheco, but Rashad White, Kieran Williams, those guys are going to cost a lot less to, to acquire as well. Absolutely. Rashad White was next on my list after the Chuba Hubbard, Dante Foreman uh, decision there. But that's that's part of the reason why I had Al- Algier above them, too, is because I'm kind of like, yeah, flip a coin. I'm not really sure how it's going to play out. But, you know, if you have multiple bids, you could try to get both. Kind of like we're talking about with Carter and Edwards and see what happens. And then, yeah, Rashad White, he was my next up. And then if you do need a plug and play, you could look at Latavius Murray, who's still 40% rostered. Like you mentioned, Mike Boone going to IR. They just signed Marlon Mack, who's going to be on the plane with him to London. But like, will he even be active? Or will he, I mean, he'll probably be active maybe as a backup, but you know, it'll be Melvin Gordon and Latavius had the touchdown. 
Um, so he'll get some work. Uh, they're facing the Jags. I think he's, you know, an okay flex option next week. Yeah, I mean, now that Mike Boone is out, I think he's definitely a guy who should be rostered in more than half of leagues, no doubt. Um, and then, you know, they were on bye last week. So Alexander Madison's roster level is under 50% now, 46%. Mm-hmm. He could be available in your league. Uh, this is a guy that we know if Dalvin Cook goes down again, like could be a league-winning player. I mean, he could be a top-five fantasy running back in the play- fantasy playoffs if, if Dalvin Cook is hurt. So yeah. uh, he should be rostered. Like, you, you know, I would – whether you have Dalvin Cook or not, like I would want to have Alexander Madison on my bench um, unless it's like a really short bench league. Um, I just, just for the potential upside there. Yep. All right. Anybody else you want to do receivers? Well, I'll just mention a few deep league guys real quick. You, your boy Keontae Ingram, just until we see James <laughs> Conner back, I think he's a name to monitor. He's only 9% rostered. DJ Dallas is pretty clearly the number two running back in Seattle now. So if something happened to Kenneth Walker, I think DJ Dallas by necessity would be thrust into a pretty sizable role. Uh, Ty Johnson um, was – actually, you know what? I'm going to scrap Ty Johnson after the James Robinson <laughs> yeah. trade. That was This was written before that deal. So forget Ty Johnson. <laughs> Sony Michelle, he's on by, but he's clearly the, the uh, caddy for uh, Austin Eckler and only 11% rostered. So um, he's one of those guys like I, I don't – I could also see dropping him if you, <laughs> if you need to pick someone else up this week. But like, you know, like in Yahoo, you can pick guys up like Sunday night or – Monday before the Monday night game, like, and and the guys on bye will be free agents. So, like, scoop him up, like, right before the Monday night game next week. Yep, or a Pacheco if someone drops a guy like him because, yeah, people are going to drop those guys. Exactly. Yep. All right, wide receiver. Um, so my, my top guy is Wandale Robinson. Uh, I just – he's 29% rostered. I, I think he's an every week wide receiver three at this point. I think he's the best – option in that uh Giants passing attack and and they realize that he's the only receiver they've got that really uh has that playmaking juice um other than Kadarius Tony who may never return so uh he would be my top pickup um I'll also mention a couple guys who are uh over 50 percent rostered but Curtis Samuel at 62 percent George Pickens at 57 percent like I would I would definitely want to prioritize those guys as well if they're available yeah, if available, my top two would be Pickens at 57% and Darnell Mooney, who I cannot quit, and he's back in my life <laughs> at 55%. He's got three catches for 53 yards right now as we're recording. So, I don't know. He's just He's been trending up, you know, and I liked him preseason. And now that he, he got off to a terrible start to the season, but he, he's coming around. So, I'm coming around too on Darnell Mooney. So, I have Wandell Robinson as my number three, but really, technically my number one if we're excluding guys that are 50%. So, I'm with you on Wandell Robinson. He was a guy we were telling people to stash – for a couple weeks so if you did congratulations he's he's in a good good spot he's looking good yep then beyond that it's not the greatest week for wide receiver i've got a whole list of names but i can't say i, I feel incredibly confident about any of them like isaiah mckenzie is a guy i still believe in but we're gonna have mm-hmm. to see the snap count uh next week against green bay before i would consider starting him like can he hold off shakir for the slot job because if he does i think he could be a wide receiver three uh in that offense yeah Marquise Goodwin though we talked about him earlier if the Metcalf injury if he's out for a month which he could be like Marquise Goodwin's one percent rostered so he could be a flex play so yeah no I I think that's true he's on my list uh Zay Jones keeps getting the usage um to be a wide receiver three uh consideration Noah Brown I mentioned playing more snaps than Gallup still so 
uh, you know, especially if the Cowboys passing game gets going, like that could that could be useful. Um, Paris Campbell, but again with Ellinger taking over, it's a little dicier. <laughs> but he's he's definitely been trending up. Um, Josh Reynolds, DJ Chark's out, uh, mm-hmm. and Reynolds is going to be even with Amon Ra back. Reynolds is going to be that number two receiver in a passing game that hasn't looked great lately, but <laughs> was really good earlier in the year. Well, you mentioned Noah Brown. I'll just mention too, like we talked about Michael Gallup earlier. You know, he is fifty nine percent rostered, and maybe that'll dip below fifty percent potentially after this, you know, goose egg week. And I'll just mention another name, Allen Robinson, who's sixty two percent rostered. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to point him out because I know we're getting above the threshold here, but he had a nice, nice game before the bye. I held on to him way too long, probably, but we'll see. I held on to him in a bunch of leagues. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so you might be able to scoop him up off the waiver wire too. Yep, yep. And then uh, where are you at on Rondale Moore at this point? He's forty eight percent rostered. Do you, do you think he's no, a guy he's you right would there. hold on to? He's right there with like Isaiah McKenzie for me. Um, like I would probably take Isaiah McKenzie over him, but it's close. So he's he's in my top like. I mean, if we're, it depends on who we're including here, but he's in my list of seven or eight guys. I'll say Rondale Moore. Yeah, I just feel like there's such a huge gap in offense between buffalo and arizona that that really pushes it to mckenzie's favor um yeah that's fair yeah and i uh mentioning the rams coming back to van jefferson they designated him to return so he's seven percent i don't i don't think i heard you mention him no no um yeah I, I, deeper league yeah but. exactly i don't I, I i mean he could end up being better than Allen robinson it wouldn't surprise me but right now neither yeah. of them <laughs> there's a there's a tall hill to climb for anyone other than cup and higby to to be uh, reliable in that Rams offense with all their protection issues they're having. Yep. Um, and Donovan Peoples-Jones, we mention him every week, but 70-plus mm-hmm. yards in three of his last four games. So if you need a plug-and-play wide receiver three, you can always look at DPJ. Oh, reliable. Yes. <laughs> all right, tight end. Uh, Greg Dolchich, right? I mean, I think for me he's number one. Yeah, he's my number one, and I have Robert Tunyon in parentheses at 67%, but honestly, like, I think I would take Dolchich over him. Like, he's had back-to-back really good weeks. He's a rookie. You know, there's upside. The Packers' offense is in shambles. <laughs> um, but, like, Tunyon would be, like, he'd be up there for me if he's still available. But 67% is getting pretty high. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I think Dolchich, I mean, they just clearly want him to be a big part of their offense. And um, it's a struggling offense, but he's still been putting up decent numbers since he since he was activated. And those are his first two games of his career, too. So that's pretty mm-hmm. impressive to see a tight end step right in and and be that involved. Uh, usually it takes tight ends a year or two to get to that level. So I've been impressed with what I've seen from him. Um, and then I'm going to go Irv Smith as my number two. You know I love me some Irv Smith. Um, yep. It was okay to drop him over the bye because they hadn't fully you know, incorporated him into their into what they do. But he's still their clear starting tight end. And... Um, has been decent um, over the last month before the bye. And they face the Cardinals, who are just, they always are bad covering tight ends. So they give up the third most points to, uh, fantasy points to tight ends right now. And I believe that's a a, uh, pattern that has consisted, uh, uh, continued from previous seasons. So, yeah, I also have some of the usual suspects. I have Irv Smith. We've talked about Kate Otten. Yep, he's uh, next on my list as well. Yeah, he's still 14% rostered. So he's next on my list. Um, wanted to point out too with Irv Smith coming back, Austin Knox is also coming back. He's above that threshold, but with tight end, you know, it's a onesie position, so he's at fifty nine percent. I know you're not a big Dawson Knox fan, but again, well, just I wasn't a, cheap a big way to fan get compared to like where how he was being uh, like 
treated coming into the season. I at this point, right. if he's on the waiver wire, I I would yeah. I would definitely consider picking him up. Right, get a cheap way to get a part of this Bills offense, and they're 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 facing the Packers. I could see. I mean, they're pretty good against receivers. I could see them. You know, keeping Diggs in check a little bit. Maybe Dawson Knox gets involved. So yeah. Yep. And then, you know, I know you were talking about Evan Ingram. Uh, he's still another yeah. guy to look at. Harrison Bryant, who we mentioned, uh, is should be the starting tight end uh, for the Browns for the next month. So, um, yeah, he's an interesting option as well. And by week fill-ins, I'll just – you mentioned Foster Moreau. If Waller's still out, he could be in really a deep league. But I'll also mention Juwan Johnson, who's 3% rostered. Yeah. If Adam Troutman is still injured, I know you love some Taysom Hill. But Jawan Johnson had a really nice game. We didn't mention him in the Thursday night recap. But if Andy Dalton's still there, he was looking his way a lot, had a touchdown. So he's he's a name. I mean, Vegas gives up a ton of points in the passing game. So Jawan Johnson could be in line for another good game, could be a good streamer. Yeah, in a deep league or like a tight end premium, things like that, I would definitely give him strong consideration. Yep. Uh, defenses. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of options this week. Um I, you know, I could take either side of the of the Colts uh, mm-hmm. Commanders game, and I could also take either side of the uh, Falcons Panthers game. I, I think I would the Colts are probably the top one I'd look at, um, and then uh, Tennessee is at Houston, so uh, I like them as well. And then Atlanta uh, at home against Carolina; those would probably be my top three. What do you think about the Jags playing in London? They're my number four. The Broncos. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's they're. So I, I'm with you. I like uh, I like the Colts and Commanders. It's my kind of top two there, and that and um, I have the Jags right there at number three. But it's tough because we've seen them, you know, have these bad, really bad games. But I don't know. They, I feel like they always play okay in London. And the Broncos, you know, couldn't really do a whole lot against the Jets. Now I think the Jets are a better defense. They're looking that way. But I think the Jags are streamable as well. Yeah, it's just a week where it's just um, there's a lot of streamable defenses. So I would say. Uh, you probably don't need to burn a lot of fab getting one of these. Just place a bunch of bids and see which one gets through. Yeah, and I'd, honestly, I'd, I'd probably play all these guys, or guys, these defenses we're talking about above the Rams, who are coming off a bye, and they're 56% rostered, but they're playing against Shanahan and got the new Christian McCaffrey weapon. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't looking like total garbage all the time. I don't know. I mean, Garoppolo will probably throw an interception, but that might be about it. I think they'll score some points, and I think the Rams might be one where people start them and... I think might be disappointed this week. Yeah, I agree. I, I think some people just uh, don't think about defense. They just set it and forget it. But um, especially the fact they're coming off the bye. I mean, if they held them through the bye, they're definitely going to want to start them, but I don't think <laughs> <Yeah>. they should. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, kickers. Uh, we'll do this real quick. Uh, Jason Myers is my guy. I mean, he's the guy I keep talking about every week now. I feel like he's a top five kicker on the year. Home against the Giants, um, not like an incredible matchup, but it's a fine matchup. And mm-hmm. mostly, I just, I just think he's, uh, you know, certain coaches have tendencies where they attempt more field goals, and then you have offenses that just score more points. And I feel like Myers is kind of checking all the boxes right now to to just be a top fantasy kicker in that sweet spot, huh? Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't really, you know, honestly, like I'm looking at my leagues. I don't, I don't have a lot of leagues where I actually even have a kicker. I'd have to look at like ESPN where I have a league with a kicker to even look at like roster percentages. <laughs> so I don't even know. All right. Well, I'll give you streamer. a couple more. How, how about this? Take either <laughs> kicker in the Miami Detroit game, Michael Badgley or Jason Sanders. Uh, Badgley nailed a 53 yarder and a 46 yarder i believe in the game last week so 
Uh, so that's looking pretty good. And like I said, um, you know, if I'm sticking with Jared Goff, I, I do think that the, uh, the Lions can put up some points against Miami. So like him there. And then on the other side, Sanders, same thing. I mean, they're facing the Detroit defense. So they should be able to score some points and kick some field goals as well. Well, Sanders should have had another field goal attempt in that game. I don't know if you saw that fourth and three where they went for it and ran Chase Edmonds up the middle and didn't get it. Like they yes. could have kicked a field goal and gone up nine. Like what are you doing? Or better yet, put Raheem Mostert in and get the first down. <laughs> exactly, uh, man. Every time I saw Chase Edmonds in there, I'm like, what is this guy doing in the game? Like put Mostert in. He Mostert looks so much better than Edmonds. But yep, yep. All right, we can talk more about Mostert in the, you know in the preview. I'm sure we will. Yeah. Any other drops you want to talk about? Uh, I know that's something we sometimes. Uh, like to discuss i mean we talked about some of the guys like as we went like would you drop this guy or that that guy um i mean Kenyon drake i'm looking at like most dropped you know he's 61 percent rostered and i think with gus edwards coming back you probably could drop Kenyon drake but you might not need to i'd kind of want to wait and see how it plays out because he's looked good at times he's looked bad at times so yeah and justice hill would i mean he's the main reason i would consider dropping drake um but then he had a pretty bad fumble in that game that almost cost them the game so that might solidified drake standing as the as the second running back there yeah romeo dobbs in redraft yes you you think so yeah i mean like i don't know maybe it's because i'm mad that i started him in the league and he got me a zero but i will rage drop romeo dobbs (laughs) i don't think i can justify (laughs) dropping him with unless alan lazard is healthy i mean it's just Uh, they need to throw the ball to him (laughs) (laughs) I know they do, but I mean they have a tough matchup I'm, against Buffalo. Yeah, I'm being kind know. of stubborn with guys like Pacheco and Dobbs and Jeff Wilson. I just I don't really feel like I want to drop those guys. I would drop Alec Pierce um, before I drop those guys. Yeah, I mean especially with the the quarterback change. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, Michael Gallup. I, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna hold Michael Gallup one more one, one more week to see one more week of Dak like. You know, with him, I would definitely so. hold him over Rondell Moore. They're they're both getting dropped a lot, but uh, yeah, I feel I feel like again, I'd rather invest in the Dallas passing game than the Arizona passing game. Oh, you were talking about Jeff Wilson. I see Elijah Mitchell is also you know among the most dropped, and he's in the IR spot. Like, good grief, you've held onto them this long. Like, hold on to him a little longer because this guy, if if McCaffrey gets hurt, which I uh, hear he gets hurt sometimes, like Elijah Mitchell is going to be the guy down the stretch who could be really good. I mean, Jeff Wilson maybe too, but. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, like I would hold on to them. either one of them, but uh, I, I kind of want to see how it plays out once. Uh, I don't feel like Mitchell is guaranteed to overtake Wilson. That's going to be something we'll have to see how it plays out. What about Drake London? In I was draft? just thinking he- that. Yeah, I think I'd, I think I'd be okay dropping him. <laughs> oh man, oh, he was my number two pick in our our uh, rookie draft in Dynasty, which you know it's Dynasty. He look, he's looked really good at times, and I just. I, I want to see Desmond Ritter come in and just see if it changes things. I mean, it probably won't, but yeah. I, I mean, if you were different. if you were holding on to Darnell Mooney, then hold on to Drake London. But that's basically what the situation yeah. is. It's very comparable. Yep, agreed. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it there. Thank you all so much for listening uh, to this episode of the Rest of Season Rankings podcast. Uh, Bart and I will have our Week Eight rankings up at the site rosrankings.com later in the week. Uh, we will also be recording. Another pod uh, previewing all of the week eight games. Uh, So stay tuned for that. And of course, rest of season rankings, we will have up at rosrankings.com as well. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. If you have any questions, you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Seifter. And you can follow me on Twitter at Barton Wheeler. 
If you like the show, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.